Luke chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, the, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Now think about this. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless the preaching this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for allowing us to be here. And Lord, for arranging those songs, you know and my kids know, my wife knows, I know, that we don't set that up. It could appear to people that are just sitting here and casually observing that we tried to dovetail the songs with the message, but that was your hand, and we thank you for it. And I do want to just ask you now, God, to use this message to help somebody here today. You spoke to my heart from it already, but it's really, Lord, it's very limited if all it helps is one person. I pray that you would use this to help more people today. And I pray you'd help me, my mind, help my mouth, uh, help me, Lord, to be able to deliver this message in a way that uh, shows your strength and that is a blessing and a help to people. And Lord, I want to put a smile on your face as well. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, by the way, the one in the green jacket is my wife. Just for our visitors to know that. Most of you know. You're looking at me like, what's he talking about? We were preaching at a, another church and they sang before I preached. And a whole bunch of people were like, are all five of those your girls? <laughs> Anyways. I want to talk to you this morning from this text about when God shows up. When God shows up. What Israel was obviously looking for is they were looking for their Messiah. They wanted somebody to get them out of this mess with Caesar Augustus and all the taxing and all the domination of this foreign country that had come in and taken over Israel under the judgment of God. And they were looking for their Messiah. They were looking for a king to come and to set up his kingdom. That's what they wanted. They still believe their Messiah is coming, but they don't believe He's coming a second time, which He absolutely is. It's the same one coming back. The Bible tells us in Revelation that they're going to look on Him whom they have pierced, and all the kindreds of the world are going to wail because of Him. They're going to recognize someday that their Messiah already came, and they missed the boat. But thank God for us that they did. I'm not bad-mouthing Israel, I'm just telling you they missed the boat. They crucified their Messiah. Because when God showed up, He didn't show up how they would expect Him to. And I'm telling you this much, what we're looking for today, what I'm looking for today in this ministry, is for people to just recognize that He's more than wonderful. Amen. What I want out of this church is I want to exalt and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for Him to show up. Yes, in a rapture. Yes, the second advent. But, 
More than that, if he decides to tarry, I want Jesus Christ to show up in these church services. I want Jesus Christ to show up in the preaching of the Word of God. I want Him to show up in our prayer. I want Him to show up in our efforts to witness and to bring people to church. And and people that, that don't know Jesus Christ, listen, lost people that are not sure if they died today that they would go to heaven. I want God to show up in our efforts to reach those people so we can show them how wonderful the Lord Jesus Christ is. Amen. It's my desire for the Lord to show up. Honestly, I would just quit and do something else if God wasn't going to show up. I am so tired of this, this church thing where it's about community. I got a community. I live in it. <laughs> I pay dues. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to build a community. I'm not trying to build you know, a brotherhood. Here's one that we used because it's a little bit more biblical, a church family. That's a good thing, ain't it? I'm not interested in building one. I grew up in church. I wanted to get away from church for a period of my life. I never wanted to be a preacher. Never. If there was anything I couldn't stand, it was 99% of the preachers I ever ran into in my life. I thought, man, if a fight broke out or if a house is burning down, you'd be running the other way, man. Why would I follow you anywhere? Hello, young man. You don't mean it. Get out of my face. (laughs) I ain't got no money. I never wanted to be a preacher. Boy, you want to know something? God showed up in my life, and God said, if you want to walk with me, if you want to talk with me, this is what you're doing. Until then, I'll see you later. And man, what I figured out awful fast was that the greatest thing in anybody's life would be to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and then learn to walk with Him, to desire Him to show up in your life. It doesn't matter what situation you're in, what kind of problems you have, how bad things get, how heartbroken you are, how depressed you are, how discouraged you are. None of it matters. If Jesus Christ is in the middle of it, He'll get you through it. We need the Lord to show up this morning. Not just in our church, but in your personal life, in your home, in the middle of your problems. You need God to show up. Here's the problem. Most people want God to show up, but they want Him to show up because they want Him to fix their problems. It's like, I want God because of what God's going to mean to me. I want God because of what God can do for me. I want God because I need that, 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 uh, that, that magic genie in a bottle in heaven. I need to say those prayers and get those things answered. I want God because of me, me, me all the time. And when God shows up, He ain't going to show up the way you want Him to show up. He's God. And you and I are peons. That's just exactly what we are. Ain't you glad he loves a peon like you? Because I'm glad he loves one like me. He's a great God. I want God to show up in my life. But when God shows up, you better prepare yourself. Because first of all, this morning, it will not be what you expect. I've said it a hundred times, and I'll keep saying it. It ain't what you think it is. I mean, my normal illustrations, but for the sake of making sure I drive the point home. Ain't that true after 20 years of marriage? Okay, let me back it up a little bit. Ain't that true after the first kid comes in and disrupts everything? Wait a minute, you wanted the really kid so bad, right? <laughs> it ain't what you thought it was. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just, that's just everything in life. I can't wait to be an adult. I can't wait to get a job. I can't wait to just keep going. I couldn't wait to turn 40 because from the time I was a preacher boy sitting under a preacher, I really respected because if I badmouthed him, he'd knock my teeth out and he could do it. 
And he tells me, hey, man, don't know nothing until he's 40. That's the kind of preacher I gravitate. I'm not trying to be that way, but that's the kind of preacher I gravitated to. Man, don't know nothing until he's 40. Okay, can't wait till I'm 40. I'll wait till I'm 40, and then I'll have some respect. Guess what I found out? It ain't what you thought it was. I've been called kid more since I turned 40 than I ever did before. <laughs> nothing in life is what you really think it is. That, that childish imagination of thinking your life is going to go this way and turn out that way and everything's going to happen like this and this is how it's, life just shows up and throws you curveballs you never saw coming. It, life in a sinful world forces things into your path and forces your change of direction and you're stuck with it. You don't even have to do anything wrong. Somebody else around you, you love will. It ain't what you think it is. And that includes the Lord. When he showed up, you would think that the God of glory would show up in a palace. That's what kings do. Heirs to thrones do. But when he showed up, he shows up in verse number 7, and it's repeated again in verse number 12, that he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, and in verse number 12, he's lying in a manger. Same thing it says in verse 7. I mean, that's a wild concept to me to stop and say, wait a minute, he is perfectly in the will of God, doing exactly what God wants him to do, exactly the way God wanted him to do it. He leaves heaven's throne, and he comes down here to earth, and God his Father, the almighty God of the universe, didn't even find anything more than a manger for his own son. And you and I think when he shows up in our life that all of a sudden we ought to, you know, give a hundred and get a thousand. That's a bunch of foolishness preaching that's manipulating people out of their money. That's a swindling, lying dog that tells you that kind of thing. The Bible shows you when God shows up, he shows up like you don't expect. I want to get saved. Good. God saved me lots of times in my life. What are you talking about? Well, I was in a car wreck and I should have died and I didn't die. Good for you. And that might have been God saving you, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean your, soul's, your, your soul's on its way to heaven when you die. Right. If he saved your skin, he saved you another day to get you to a point where you'd hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and get born again. That's, right. that's just skins all that is. Yeah, that might have been God, quote, saving you, but that's not the salvation of the eternal soul. Right. Well, God saved me a lot in my life. Okay, what's that mean? God don't show up like you think he does. He shows up here and he puts his own son in a manger. Well, the day I got saved, everything started falling apart. You got a man sitting right there, been saved for 10 years. Widow maker heart attack. Goes blind. Can't breathe. He was involved. He was doing He was even teaching Sunday school. If he got saved at 59 years old and in a few years he was teaching Sunday school. He was, he was the happiest vacuumer we've ever had in our church. I am not kidding you. He loved cleaning the church. I can't believe I'm in here cleaning these toilets for the Lord. I can't believe. That's amazing. I should have got saved years ago when my brother was preaching, but I'm saved now. And his life fell apart after he got saved. You know what? God's done more with him that way than he even knows because if I outlive him and keep going, I will be preaching about him and Mrs. Ferguson and some of these other folks. God picks and chooses how he uses you. And you're not necessarily always going to like it. But you know what? When Jesus showed up, God put him in a manger. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes. You think about that. He's really a picture there of death coming. Hey, you know what a happy day it is when you have a baby? 
I was just trashing it. No, I talk about the day you have the baby. After that, it might change, but the day you have the baby. Especially for us fellas. Mama struggles a little bit that day, but us fellas, we got it good. It's a wonderful day. We did it four times. I wouldn't go back and change not one of them. We did it four times because we were hunting for a boy. We're not very good hunters. We ain't from Alabama. Inside joke, sorry. I wouldn't change one of them. People tease us all the time. What about one more? What about a boy? We're like, are you kidding me? You could guarantee me a boy and I don't want to go back. But I remember every single one of those days. You know what you don't think about when you hold that baby? You don't think about their funeral. That ain't the point. You know, all you parents assume that one day they'll bury you. Right? When God sent his son, you know what he was thinking about? A funeral. He don't show up like you think he'd show up. The Messiah is here. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe the world get, you know, gets happy eventually. But think about him. His whole life was miserable. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's a wild thought, man. That, that, honestly, that just blows my mind that God's son, he puts him in that position and he lives that kind of a life. What did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? He didn't do a thing wrong, ever. You know what's more miserable than having a normal human baby like, you know, I sound so bad. <laughs> I love all of my children. I love being a father. But they're a lot of work, right? Yes, sir. You don't be worse than that, having a perfect son or a perfect daughter. I would be apologizing so often. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry you know that was wrong and I know that was wrong and I'm still your dad, but I'm really sorry. Jesus Christ, from the time he was born until the time he died, never did a thing wrong, never did a thing worthy of feeling a bit of pain, never. But he felt every single pain that you feel was tempted in every point as you are yet without sin and was born for the purpose of dying and knew it from the get-go. How many of you, if you knew you were going to die in the next couple of months, could look at anything the same? Don't tell me you won't get panic attacks. Talk awful tough about dying when you're nice and healthy and strong. Right. It's a whole other thing about thinking about dying early, getting cut off early, when you don't deserve it. He don't show up like you'd think he would. He's not only in swaddling clothes, but he's in a manger. And he's in abject poverty. Look at verse number 22. I'm going to show you a couple things today that religion just messes all up for you. You got this, this totally false view of everything that happened from religion. Verse 22 in the same chapters, and it says this, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is what's important about that. If you go back to the Old Testament and you find out about the offering that they were supposed to give for the male that opened the womb that was dedicated to the Lord, you find out there was two options. There was a different option of what they could offer if they could afford it. 
But for the poor people, they were allowed an exception, and the exception was what they offered right there for Jesus Christ. So not only is he born in a manger, but then once she goes through a purification ritual, they go down to the, to the temple to make the offering. They're offering this, just this lame, weak, poor man's little offering for the Son of Almighty God. I mean, God, how about our blessed among women, you know? What? I thought you said I'm blessed among women. I thought you said exalting me where people are going to be praying to me and worshiping it. No, honey, that's not at all how it's going to work out. Hey, God just showed up in your life. God wants to use you on a massive level. Yes, you found favor. Yes, you're a great woman. But God's going to do a great thing with you and it ain't the way the world would look at it. It ain't the way you'd look at it. I just want to be up front with you. I want to be honest with you. I don't want to promise my kids if you do right, everything's going to go perfect in your life and then have them start doubting God. And I don't want to get up here and preach stuff about blessings and promises and promises and blessings while you're living in a real world. And Jesus told you himself you're going to have tribulation. Amen. That's right. We got something a little better than all that we'll get to in just a minute. But I want you to understand the situation that God's son was in when he came to this earth. He not only had swaddling clothes laying in a manger, but on top of that, his parents didn't have a bunch of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right. Not when he was born. Right. Well, I've seen the nativity scene, and my priest always said, hey, can I just give you a light bulb moment? That, that ain't Bible. Right. It says when they came to the house right. where the little child was, the wise men gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The nativity scene sees them bowing in a manger. And everybody thinks that's Bible. Can anybody tell me where the preachers are? Because whatever's coming out of the pulpits, it ain't giving God's people God's words. It ain't helping them get to know God. And God ain't going to show up without His word. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? Earth was without form and void. Darkness upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God, you know the next word. God said, God spoke when this thing started getting created. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, without, anything was, without Him was not anything made that was made. It's the Word of God. God is not going to talk to you, He's not going to show up in your life without His Word. People got this false perception of everything. When Jesus Christ shows up, when God shows up, it ain't like you'd think it would be. Notice another thing. This is a wild one to me. Go down to verse number 41. Now when his, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, so you see nothing from Jesus' infancy till when he's about a young child, so who knows, maybe three, four, five, something like that maybe. And then you see him again here at 12. And it says, And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they were returned... The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother, see that? Knew not of it. And they supposed him to have been in the company, and they supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. 
And when they saw him, Joseph and his mother, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us, thus with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? See, that's what she said. That's not what the Bible says. Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? He corrected her. See the capital F? Oh, uh, what about all this praying to Mary stuff? You don't find that in the Bible. We'll come back to that in a little bit. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was, sub- Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Now here's the thing I want you to notice about this. When God shows up, it's not the way men expect, right? Here you got a, a 12-year-old boy sitting in the middle of the temple. And he is absolutely smoking them. A 12-year-old boy. This is literally, literally, Jesus Christ, literally, intellectually speaking, scholar, and from a scholarly viewpoint, from a biblical theologian's viewpoint, he's literally a child prodigy. The 40, 50, 60-year-old religious leaders are all sitting around, you know, the big high mucky muck, the men, you know what I mean? Especially in that culture. And they're hearing him, and they're asking him questions. He's hearing them, he's listening, and he's keeping up with them, and he's asking them questions, and I will guarantee you the questions he's asking them, they're going, uh, amen. And you want to know something that's wild about all this? His mom and dad come looking for him. Excuse me, his mom and stepdad come looking for him. And I, I can bet you, now this is my sanctified imagination, I can bet you when they came in and they saw him talking, Right there, it was, yeah, forget him. We be not born of fornication. Ain't that what they said to him earlier? Later? When he said, you have your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He's a murderer from the beginning, but not the truth. He's a liar and the father of it. Their response to him was, (laughs) we be not born of fornication. When God shows up, he don't show up the way you'd think he would. He's using his son that has really a stained reputation. Mm-hmm. I never said he has a stained testimony. Right, right. He has a stained reputation. Because they're talking about and focusing on the fact that according to them, he's born out of wedlock. So here he is in spite of the fact that it's obviously God. I mean, some people sit in church like this. It's obviously God speaking to them. No man has that kind of power to be able to be that much in their personal business to preach directly to specific things. That's the Holy Spirit of God doing that. And he does it regularly when his Bible's preached. He's dealing with you. And then you fall into that trap of the devil like, well, God showed up, but I don't like the way he showed up. And I don't like who he chose to use because I don't like that little guy and I don't know why he's got to yell so much. I'm sick today or I'd really be yelling. I get fired up. That's just how I listen. The times that I quit because I thought, you know what, this culture doesn't understand it nowadays and I'm going to stop and I'm going to... You know what God does to this church every single time in the last 15 years? He's just gone. Try to be... I know I've got to understand the culture. I've tried that twice. And I am telling you, God's like, I'm out of there until you do it the way I tell you to do it. You preach the way I... You're my man and I'll have you preach how I want you to preach. Quit worrying about the culture. Amen. 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 That's just how it works. Well, I don't like the way God showed up. 
Yeah, well, they didn't like the way Jesus showed up either. But when he was speaking in the temple, they knew he was speaking. And I'm sure their culture and their family and their friends and their mom and their dad and everything they were going to lose if they went with Jesus. Everything they were going to lose if they went with Jesus. Everything you're going to lose if you go. You know why a lot of people won't go with Jesus? Because of what they're going to lose to do it. Okay, then you live your life, I'll live mine. Hey, you got that right. You do what you want with it. But when God shows up, I may not like what he asks me to do. I may not like what he tells me to do. I might not like the way he shows up. But when he shows up, I want in. Because I need him. I need him more than I need anything in this world. I need Jesus. And when he shows up, it ain't what you think. Number two. He ain't going to show up the way you want him to show up. And number two, when he shows up, here's something I like about him. He speaks very clearly. Look at verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now now listen, we got an angel showing up. Okay? Very powerful being. A one angel can kill tens of thousands of men in one night. No problem. He didn't show up. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. (laughs) When he showed up, everybody knew exactly what he was saying. And when he first stepped on the scene, they're like, boom, on their face, terror-stricken. I know some of you tough guys never have nightmares. You ever have one so bad that you wake up and you can't move? You're like, honey, honey, go see what's out there. I'm the one having the nightmare. You're not. Okay, I've never gone that far, but I want to. I'm really weak. I think my affection's back. You'd be like that kind of terror stricken. And then the angel says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. When he showed up to speak to you, when, when God shows up, he is very, very clear about what he said. I am so tired of, well, if I, if I only knew, if God's really clear when he speaks. That's why when God's men preach the Bible to you, it is very plain. I'm not up here trying to impress you with some language that you don't know about. I honestly could care less what you do or don't think of my intellect. I don't really want everybody to think, I got the dumbest pastor in Michigan, but he's a nice guy, you know. I can't really go with either of those. Both are too far. But, but you understand what I'm saying? I'm not here to try to impress you with my intellect. I am so tired of that kind of church. Tell me exactly what the book says, preacher. If you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But didn't I say at the beginning, what I want here more than anything is God. I'm not trying to build a church family. I'm not trying to build a church community. Do you know something? If God's in the the driver's seat, if he's running the show, he builds a great church family, man. I mean, look, man, I I couldn't do what God's doing. I couldn't do it. I I couldn't get along with you like we do. 
We couldn't have the variety of people and viewpoints and backgrounds and everything else we got and then get together and get along like we get along and love each other like we love each other and ignore stuff we may not agree with. I'm not talking about doctrinal stuff. You know all that stuff. I'm not talking about turning a blind eye to fornication, dope and drunk, open drunkenness and all that. I'm talking about getting along and just loving each other and loving our church. Amen. You can't do that. <laughs> It's not humanly possible. You struggle enough getting along with your own family that you die for, let alone each other. God's the one that does that stuff. I want God to show up, and I'm telling you, when He shows up, He's plain. He's absolute. Don't you think God could have blown them away with some kind of heavenly language? Oh, did you see the power of that angel? He said, I'm here to give you a message. Here's the message. I'll see you later. Kind of wild. I like the fact that God's playing with me. I need somebody to talk plain. Right, Dennis sat down there yesterday, uh, a few days ago next to me, and he goes, all right, Mike, I'm going to shoot straight. I'm like, what else would you do? <laughs> He's like, here's the deal. I'm like, okay, go. I really appreciated that. I've, I've, been, I've been pretty loyal to that guy for a while because he, from, the straight, from the beginning, he was just a straight shooter with me. He's like, no, you don't have to do it now. The antibiotics will hold it off for a while. might be a month, might be two years, but sooner or later you'll be back. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> I was. <laughs> He's a straight shooter. I like somebody that talks direct to me. I'm thankful that when God shows up, He speaks real clear. And then you know what I like about Him? He gives you room to decide if you want to believe Him or not. Yeah. Did you hear what I said? What He says, He says, plain. Like I told you when we started the Revelation study, Revelation is not hard to understand. He says exactly what he wants you to know. It's just sometimes hard to believe. So God put it in that book, said here it is for you. If you want to believe it, believe it. If you don't, don't. If you die and go to hell, God's not going to fall off his throne. You've got to understand that. If you reject Jesus Christ as a lost man and walk out of here, the church is going to go on and God's going to go on just fine. People have been rejecting His Son for over 2,000 years and God's gone on just fine. He talks plain for your good. He tells you what you need to hear however many years. Don't worry about it. Some of you are going like, wait, He died at 33. This is 2022. I don't have a clue. It doesn't matter. Get my point. (laughs) He's going to go on just fine. He's going to tell you exactly what you need to hear. And then he's going to let you do whatever you want to do with it. What a good God. My preacher always used to say this. Brother Lynch used to say this. First time I ever heard anybody put it this way. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ is the world's perfect gentleman. He will never overstep. He will never force you to do anything with the truth. He'll present it to you and then say, have a nice day. Yes. He's not uncaring. How much more could you care than he cared? Coming all the way down here in that situation, getting kicked in the face and listening to his mama get accused of all kinds of stuff. His whole life. Having all those guys the closest to him reject him, leave him alone and naked at the cross, descending into hell for you. And then people have the audacity to say stuff about him. 
He's a gentleman boy. Here's the truth, and this is what it means to be saved. You know how plain he made it? If you die and go to hell, it's because you want to, especially if you're sitting here this morning, because you can see before you leave here. You can see very plain in front of you. I'll open up, I'll let you read every passage to show you exactly what the Bible teaches you about going to heaven right from the Word of God. Clear. You leave out of here lost, it is on, it is on you. And now I'm going to beg you, do not leave out of here lost. Well, you're not feeling good today and I don't want to bother you. You want to make my day? You want to make it a 15th anniversary I'll never forget? Bother me. Because your eternal soul is more important than anything else in the room to me. I want you to get saved. And so does God. And God made it very, very clear how to do it. Because when God speaks, He speaks plain. You know how hard it would be to be that guy sitting there and get that thing and then go, wait a minute, under the, my, what's the sign? A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in, it, lying in a manger? You couldn't have done better than that? Hey, stupid, you just overlooked angels talking to you from heaven. You, don't, you ever know how many people complain about God not making himself more clear when they're overlooking the, the unbelievably clear truth? Not only when he shows up does he speak very clearly, then give you the room to decide whether or not you want to believe him. That's in verse 15. It came to pass the angels were gone away from them unto heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. So the Lord spoke to him, and then he disappeared. He didn't say, Come on, let's go. He didn't grab their hand and drag them. He didn't do like some of these churches and drag out a 30-minute invitation. Come on, come today, come today, come now. Raise your hand. Raise your, okay, everybody close your eyes. Raise your hand if you're not saved. I won't embarrass you. I won't, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. And you raise your hand. And you, I won't embarrass you. Okay, you can put your hands on. Now you that raised your hand. <laughs> not, not God. He said, here it is, man. See ya. And they said, hey, let's do something about this. When God shows up, He will tell you exactly what you need to hear. But folks, I'm telling you, when you hear from God, please do something about what you heard. Or you just compounded your responsibility and your judgment. Because it's a privilege to have God speak to us. Light rejected becomes lightning. But light accepted leads to more light. I want to learn my Bible. Well, get where the light is. You got to go to church. (laughs) I want to learn. I don't understand the Bible. First get saved. Let's understand salvation. And then let's worry about trying to learn our Bibles. And guess what? That takes a long time. But just accept the light God gives you if you want to get more light. Not only does God speak very plain, but He also allows you the liberty to decide if you're going to believe it, and then he allows you the liberty to decide if you're going to do something with it. Look at verses 16 and 17. And they came to pay with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They acted on it. They, did so, they didn't just believe it. So many people just believe the Bible. Oh, I love Bible preaching. What good's it doing you if you just come and sit there and sleep every time? Let me give you a couple t- t- tips. And listen, there are, there are a few exceptions I know some exceptions. If you, if you work all night long and then you walk in here and sit down, I will never get on your case for sleeping. 
I'm not kidding you at all. I think that's tremendous character. But if you were up till 2 or 3 in the morning last night and then you walk in, your priorities are messed up, man. This should, this should be very important to you. If you're going to stay up half the night, that's your business. Stay up in the preaching. Why? Because I want you to get some help. It's not enough to say, I go to a Bible-believing church and I like straight preaching. You need some help from God. And I'm not going to stand up here and judge who was or wasn't up. I don't have, that's not my business and I don't care. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt so I don't get an attitude. They must have been up all night working on the furnace or the busted pipes or God only knows what. You know what I mean? I really try to do that. But I'm trying to encourage you, listen, it's not enough to just hear plainly what God says. You've got to believe what you're hearing, and then you've got to act on it. Look what they did. They go with haste. They find exactly what God said. Can you imagine that? And then they take, go from there, verse 7, and they make known abroad the saying. It's not enough once you get the truth, once you hear clearly from God. It's not enough to say, yeah, I'm glad I got me. Man, when God starts moving, you want other people to hear about it. <coughs> I'm not sick. Not that kind of sick. You can't get what I got. I promise. They took a half a gallon of my blood to prove it. <laughs> Last of all this morning, God, when He shows up, He not only will show up a way you won't expect Him to, but He'll show up and He'll speak very clearly to you when He does. And then He'll allow you to do with it what you want. And then last of all, when God shows up, God always confirms what He tells you. I love that about the Lord. That's just something I've watched my entire life and I see it in the text as well. Go to verse number 13. He says, And suddenly there was with the angels, right? The angels show up and speak to him, and then God confirms it. Suddenly there's with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host. So it's not enough that God sends this angel to appear unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Then a multitude shows him up and just backs him up. Whoa! As if we didn't have enough. Look at that, man. Look, look at more. There's more of that in the passage. Look at verse 25. Go down to verse number 25. And behold, so they go into to Jerusalem to make the sacrifice. And it says, and, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And it came to pass by the Spirit into the temple... And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the, the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, wherefore thou hast prepared, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken. Notice again, Joseph and his mother. Do you know that of all the Bibles, a lot of the new Bibles now, just to name a couple of them, the Amplified, the New American Standard, the New International Version, and more, they call him his father and his mother? You understand how significant that is? Because if according to those Bibles, it's his father and his mother, Jesus Christ was not virgin born. Why are you King James only? Oh, because we're just dumb, ignorant people that are uneducated and haven't searched it out. Or because there's some real problems in them other Bibles. It's funny to me how all the religions want to give you a corrupted Bible. You know the Roman Catholic Church has given you the Apocrypha? You know why? In the 1500s, they voted the Apocrypha back in as a legitimate trans uh, books of the Bible. You want to know why? Because they want to pray to the dead and they can't find it in a regular Bible, so they add that other junk in. 
th th those apocryphal books that were thrown out and known to be false, yeah. they brought back in so they can preach their own doctrines. Right. You know what God does? God confirms His Word right. when He gives it. When Jesus spoke, He said, Verily, verily, that means truly, truly. God always backs up what He tells you. God never asks you to just trust some vision or some dream or some thought or some feeling or some circumstance in your life. God gives you something rock solid that you can put your faith in that's not changing. And then once He gives you that book, He backs it up. God will confirm the truth of this book to you. You need to be in it looking for the light. God shows up and He always confirms what He says. So they go walking into the temple... They're 100% sure now all this crazy stuff's been happening. They know exactly what's going on. God says, here, I'm going to give you a little more encouragement. Well, he's confirming what he said to Simeon as well. Man, I love that about God. He gives divine confirmation. Confirmation between you and him. Now listen, don't forget this. We don't look for signs. Okay? We're not looking for signs. This is not a charismatic church, and we don't have time to preach on it this morning, but I could preach and teach on it and show you why. We're not looking for signs. The Jews require a sign. But I will also say this. God has ways of doing things for you between you and Him that are personal. I'm not saying visions of 900 foot Jesus appeared to me and told me if you people don't give me a million bucks like back when I was a kid, God's going to kill me. Y'all should be like, all right, bye. I'm talking about you and God. Ways that God confirms the truth to you. When's the last time you and God had some kind of a meeting? I'm not talking about seeing a vision of Jesus. I'm talking about when's the last time God showed up and made himself real to you? He does it to every human being on the planet. He witnesses to everybody twice. Verily, God always confirms His Word. He witnesses to Him through creation, and He witnesses to Him through conscience. Every human being on the planet. So if He does that for lost people, don't you think He'll do it for you? You don't go running off making massive life-changing decisions by some feeling. Well, I, I, I call it the Bible roulette, you know, Russian roulette. <laughs> thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall be rejoice. Okay, that ain't happened yet. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know people that make life decisions like that. That's a real shaky, that's a real superstitious, that's a real religious foundation on which to build your life. When God speaks, he speaks plain, and God confirms what he says. You know you got the truth. He speaks with biblical confirmation in verse number 25. And he's showing this man some things. This man's in the temple and he's filled with the Holy Ghost and God's revealing him things through the Holy Ghost. Anybody ringing a bell yet? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the... That's how God confirms himself to you. God confirms himself also personally. Look at verse 35. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know, I don't have time for it, but Mary needed a Savior too. You don't pray to, you don't pray to lost people. You, can, you just go ahead and you find that for me in the Bible. You find it for me. You find it for me, I'll do it. 
You can't find it. The religious leaders will lie to you, man. Yeah, all the time. But the Bible don't. God, God is God. Does that, that's really simple. <laughs> but if you stop and think about it, He's God. And then He speaks plain to us, and then He even confirms what He said. How kind and patient is that? There ain't a person around here, not a person in this room, that has an excuse. That's right. Not to have God show up in your life. Not a person here. If you don't have God, when God shows up, right, you want God to show up? Yes, if God ain't showing up, it's your fault. That's, right. That's mean, I know. But I'm not being angry. I'm not being mean about it. It is your fault. Because God shows up. Right. But He shows up His way on His terms. And He speaks very clearly. It even confirms what he says. So we are without excuse. He makes the personal confirmations. Let's look at it. Verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the wife of Aser. She's of great age and lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. Very short marriage. And when she was four score, when she was, and she was a widow about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in an instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. When they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. You know what's crazy to me? Almighty God, the King of glory, knew that there was a woman over there named Anna. And Anna had been a virgin, a widow for a long time. And God said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop by her. Ain't that cool? <laughs> that almighty God, he, he wasn't you know, running around worrying about Elijah and all the big shot preachers and he wasn't worried about all the high rolling Pharisees and the rich people. And He's like, man, that woman Anna, she's been faithful all those years. She's a good woman. Let her see my son. God is personal. You do not need a priest or a man interceding for you. If you need my help, I will happily help you. But don't forget what you tell me you can't take back. Well, we got clergy, laity, confidentiality. As long as you didn't commit a crime. You hurt a kid or something like that, there ain't no confidentiality. I'm going to broadcast it to the world and I'm going to help the cops chase you down. Folks, you don't need some kind of a mediator between you and God, you can go directly to Him because He is a personal God. I love that about Him. My job as a preacher is to help you get to know Him better from His Word. But it's on you. Now look at the conclusions this morning. Here's what I find super neat. Look at verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know what's wild about that? Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was absolutely perfect. He was filled with knowledge and wisdom and Bible right out the gate. And God still said, you became human, you're going through the process. He had to be patient. He had to wait. He had to grow. 
He had to increase and he had to earn his stripes. I don't care how spiritual you are or how much Bible you know. There are some things you'll never figure out, steps you'll never take until you just get there. You just got to get old enough. This thing ain't a, ain't a sprint. It is a marathon. And you can't quit just because you're discouraged. Who don't get discouraged? You can't quit just because he ain't showed up fast enough. You can't quit just because it ain't turning out like you think. It's God Almighty we're after. And he made a son go through a slow process. And we're going to go through the grinder too. That's part of it. But the greatest part is when you come out the other side of that grinder, he does something that could never be done with your life without his process. So we need God to show up. And I just want to say this and then we'll bow our heads for prayer and have an invitation. But I just want to say in a sinful world, you're going through the grinder whether God's allowing you to or not. You're going through it. That's the world you're living in. So why not have God show up in the middle of it and do something only He can do? Let's stand to our feet this morning.